Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. With a fresh new song MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network Brought to you by the memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce And we have the author of Leave She Forgets Lisa Malice is here, and you're going to hear a little bit about the book, because this is too cool. After surviving a car crash, K. Smith wakes from a, from a coma with amnesia and a tattered face, and no one to vouch for her identity. Her psychiatrist is convinced that her memory loss is connected to the terrific flashback and nightmares haunting her. As she digs for clues to her past, K. uncovers a shadowy character following her every inquiry. Who is this person and what does he want from her? I am not going to tell you. The author is here. Welcome, Lisa, and welcome to MJ Network. Well, thank you, Fran. I'm so excited to be here. This is my debut novel, and um, this is my very mm. first interview, so I'm a little nervous but uh, exhilarated Don't at the be- same time. So I'm happy to be here. Well, this is fun, and this was really the first the first scene. It says, it's your fault. How does a simple statement and the first scene set the events that are following? Well, the, um, the, the collector, she's driving in a blizzard, and she's on the run from a, a, a horrific uh, encounter um, where she learned somebody was killed. And she has some idea that it's part of her fault. It, you know, she may not have killed the person, but there's something that she did that led to this person's death. And um, it's just—it's very hard for her. It's part of this um, experience that she's had, where she's been undergoing a lot of stress, and she's just running from that situation. And um, it's just not something that she wants to contemplate that is actually real. And as the first scene goes on, she realizes that there's somebody after her, a guy in a, somebody in a dark truck, and he um, mm. he gets all taken up with the situation at that point, um, unsure of what's going on, and he uh, uh, it gets to be a very tense scene as he runs her off the road into a river. Um, that is scary. It is scary, but it's scary to be for her to begin with because she's so stressed yeah. out on what exactly has happened with somebody revealing that somebody was dead and that she may have played a role in it um, in, in some manner. So she does feel like it is her fault. And that's part of the reason why she's just trying to escape not just that situation, mm-hmm. but as she wakes up from the, the being run off the road, um, 
waking up without understanding who she is because she's running away from herself as she wakes up with amnesia. That is really scary. In chapter 2, page 1, you reenact the entire her fate. And what is her reaction to the situation? And why does she think her name is Kay Smith? That is really scary. Well, she's she's reenacting um, the situation in her head. Her, she, this is one of her dreams that she's having. And she's not quite clear what's going on, but it is extremely scary for her. Um, and she... It's it's just something that is helping to keep her memory locked in her head because she's trying to run away from this. So then when she does wake up, she's been in a coma at this point for a couple of days. And Mm -hmm. it's a psychogenic coma, meaning there was nothing going on physically that was keeping her in a coma. It was just part of this, you know, trying to run away from herself because she's, you know, been part of this horrific um, incident and then somebody tries to run her off the road. She wakes up. Um, not knowing who she is, actually. She doesn't recognize the name Kay Smith. It just happens to be the name on her patient file as she's uh, referred to by the doctor sitting by her bedside as she wakes up. And um, she doesn't recognize the name. She doesn't recognize her face. Her face is, she's managed to glance at herself in the mirror and sees that her face is battered. So she's this, she's, all really upset and um, stressed out, not knowing where she is. She's in a rehab facility, and she's a doctor mm. and nurse are standing over. It's a very frightening situation, and that contributes to her not really wanting to remember exactly what happened and who she is. It's a very frightening situation for anybody to wake up uh, without remembering who they are. It is certainly scary. And the scary part is there's nobody there that knows her to tell her who she really is. So this right. is a, this is part of the entire plot that's scary altogether. How do you find out who you are when the people that are taking care of you think of somebody else? So how does she interact with the nurses and the hospital staff? And tell us about Dr. Malone. He feels she has, and I looked it up, disassociative fugue disorder. And that right. is a real thing. I know that. Right. Well, um, amnesia, there's various kinds of amnesia. Uh, Most amnesia is caused by some kind of physical um, issue, something going on in uh, in the body. Um, For example, uh, retrograde amnesia is where you don't remember your past, and a lot of times that can happen after a car accident. For for a lot of people, after something very stressful, they can have Mm. a little retrograde amnesia for the actual event. Um, people also have retrograde amnesia with their alcoholic and they can black out and have a problem with that. There's various parts of the brain that if you have some kind of brain issue um, that you can't remember things. My brother is going through a cancer treatment right now. His tumor is in his brain and he has a hard time remembering mm. what happened the day before. And um, But he's doing well. He's got lymphoma and, and his, his treatment's doing really well. I'm happy to report um, there's also anterior grade, yeah. There's also anterior grade amnesia, which is not being able to remember anything going forward. So you, where you may remember your past, um, mm-hmm. you don't remember things going day to day to day going forward. And you see a lot of that with um, Alzheimer's patients and various other um, physical maladies. 
Now, dissociative fear is considered a psychogenic amnesia. And what that means is that there's no physical reason for somebody to be having uh, memory loss. It's mm. basically a cognitive defense mechanism where you're shutting off all your memories of who you are and where you are and how you got there because there's just something so horrific in your past that you just want to shut yourself down. Um, most people have heard of shell shock and battle fatigue. That's a very mm-hmm. common um, reference for dissociative food where you get um, people who've been on the battlefield who are just so traumatized by battle. Maybe they've seen their comrades, you know, their fellow soldiers die and, and they just walk off um, and wander away without knowing who they are or where they're going. And uh, that's typical of dissociative fugue. So it's not just memory loss, but you end up wandering mm. away and you don't know where you are or where you're going and, and you don't remember who you are until at some point you snap out of it. Um, some people don't snap out of it, but um, people, actually Agatha Christie had dissociative fugue. Did you know that? No. It was, uh, it you- yeah. Yeah, she was uh, in her 30s. And her mm. husband had just asked for a divorce, and she had just lost her mother. And just one night, it was December, she just very lightly dressed. She wasn't dressed for going outside, but she just kind of uh, got in her car and drove off. And her car was found later on just by the side of the road. And oh, God. It, uh, it caused a huge uh, uh, scandal in the in the newspapers. They People had wondered whether he, her husband had knocked her off or she committed suicide, and she ended up being found at um, a suicide um, spa. Um, two weeks later, she still didn't remember who she was or how she got there, and nobody ever knew she took it to her grave of what actually happened. But um, I guess that's the most famous uh, decision. That is, that is scary. I remember yeah. that. I remember everything that happened in the present. But there was sometimes yeah. somebody will say something to me. Do you remember that? And go like. It did? I don't know. I mean, it, sometimes the memory loss just is not that great, but it's there. And for those of you that have been in a head-on collision, you don't know what you're going to remember, what you're not going to remember. The fact that I remember who I am and have a phenomenal memory <laughs> and, can, right. and, and forget nothing. But you, there are certain well, things I think sometimes I think people just want to forget. And rather right, than right. bring it up, they just it's too painful to remember. Right. Um, well, not everybody doesn't remember everything in their life. I know my yeah. kids uh, are in their 20s, but they remind me of things that we did. It's like, I don't remember that, but thank you. Because mm-hmm. it's very, um, you know, uh, locked in their mind. But it's also, a, you know, it's a matter of how well you encode whatever is going on in, in, in your, yeah. your life. So if it's something really important, you know, you tend to remember it more than, um, you know, just things in, in passing. Um, sometimes hypnosis can bring back um, past memories. Um, hypnosis can also be used to um, um, induce somebody to forget something. So that's one kind of therapy that sometimes they use with PTSD um, victims, uh, uh, post-traumatic stress uh, syndrome, um, to help people forget. Yeah. So, and I could just say I forgot, so it's easier. So this statement really yeah. gets me. What is the meaning of keep hiding? And what about Dr. Malone? You use your professional experience when you dealt, when Dr. Malone treated Kay. 
And what advice does she suggest for Kay? Well, the keep hiding is something that keeps uh, popping through Kay's head. It's, it's her, mm. her unconscious self telling her that you need to keep hiding. This, we, we don't really want to remember, and mm-hmm. um, we need to keep hiding. And, and so that, that's her, her mind telling her, don't press it. Don't, don't look further. You, you really don't really want to know. And um, mm. so that's why she keeps having um, the amnesia. So um, Dr. Mullen is a psychiatrist. He, he was brought in because of the um, kid was suffering from that um, psychogenic coma. And when she woke up, she realized that she was still having memory issues. And so um, most people, you know, after an accident, things like you can expect them to have some memory loss and, and maybe mm-hmm. even, you know, not remember who they are, like you, you had that episode in your life. And mm-hmm. most of the time it resolves itself fairly quickly. Um, and But Dr. Malone didn't really have any understanding of the depth mm-hmm. to which Kay was experiencing all this stress that put her in this position to begin with. So as they work together, Kay starts to reveal her dreams and um, flashbacks that are haunting her, So, which suggests to Dr. Malone that there's some underlying issues where perhaps she was running from an abusive um, partner in her life, perhaps. It's not uncommon mm-hmm. for people to be very stressed out if they're part of a, a, a abusive couple and things like that. So so with her memory not coming back so quickly, Dr. Mullen suggests that there's there's ways to deal with PTSD, which is what he uh she believes um Kay is suffering from and how that is impacting her memory loss. And so mm. she decides to suggest, you know, you you're going to have these flashbacks. It's very common to have flashbacks um, and nightmares when you have PTSD, and she needs to learn some strategies for calming herself down and taking things easier and trying not to let these moments frighten her so much. Um, One strategy she suggests is called mindfulness, and that's Mm -hmm. the strategy that they use a lot with PTSD patients. It's, It's a matter of just taking these events as they come and trying not to get all worked up about them using some breathing techniques and other things that that help to calm the person down and try to just evaluate and see and and understand what they're sensing and hearing and feeling without trying to put too much emotion to it and for and and ptsd patients a lot um they know who they are it's not an issue of trying to remember who they are it's just a matter of trying to deal with these um, horrific moments that basically debilitate them and keep them from, you know, going out of their lives. But for Kay, the issue is that she doesn't remember who, who she is. And for mm. and this mindfulness technique is also a way for her to pay more attention to who she is and the cues that she's seeing about who she might be as a person, her likes or dislikes, what seems familiar to her, what doesn't seem familiar to her. And as a way to understand a little bit more about who she might be without regard to 
who she actually is. So it's a matter of understanding and trying to remember who you might be as a person rather than, you know, your biography type of thing. You know, I, I did something after my my thing is that I sat down and I said, because I didn't remember who the heck I was, and I started to take it. I asked the nurse for a notepad, and then all of a sudden, about three or four days later, she gave me my pocketbook, and in my pocketbook was the was the shopping list where I was supposed to go. Oh. And okay. that's what snapped me back. I said, oh, my God, my mother doesn't have her locks and bagels and stuff. Um, <laughs> my cousin looked at me. I said, oh, so that's who you are, you pain in the butt. You're my cousin. <laughs> it, you, just, you just don't know. It was like I wrote out the note, and I'm going like, okay, let me see what I can remember about anything. And then I saw the note a couple of days later. I'm going, well, oh, so what that they didn't get shopping? Look what happened to me. So here's right, another right. person. She meets Nick, hmm, and you get a question mark about him the minute that she meets him. Why do why do we realize that they, that he's got an ulterior motive or something? Well, Nick is um, Nick and Kane meet as he's walking into the her room to visit her roommate. Her roommate is a yeah. young woman, a very close friend of his, his uh, um, of the family. He knows he's best friends with uh, the young woman's um, brother. And she's been in a coma for, I think, three years after a skiing accident. So mm. um, he comes to visit and on a regular basis just to help out his brother and to, you know, stimulate her arms and legs and talk to her with the hope that someday she will wake up. Um, it's not uncommon for, for people to do that. Um, it's, you know, it's important to do that. With, it, it makes them feel good. But as he's walking in, she's walking out of the bathroom, and they bump into each other, and there's a little spark of recognition um, mm. that runs pay for him. And she doesn't quite understand that, but she's a little bit embarrassed about it, so she runs and pops in her bed because she's still in her, her hospital gown. Anyway, um, so that chapter is all a scene in which they're just conversing and getting to know each other. Kay has no memory of anything, so he just gets through mm-hmm. to talk about who he is and, and what he you know, and why he's visiting his, um, the person next to him. And, and um, that's just, it's just how it goes. And she just, she has a feeling that there's something familiar about him. Um, he's, He's very attractive, and so she's wondering if maybe that might just be the, like she was kind of embarrassed when she came out of the bathroom. That's scary. I just finished a book like that where the character fell for a guy because he was cute, and she should have opened her eyes. What can I say? So, yeah. This, she did something that I think is important, and why does she keep a journal and how does she go about learning more about Erin, Manny, and Summer Oaks? Because there's a big chain of events there. So keeping right. a journal does help, you remember. Right, right. Yeah, she um, she, she gets a, a, a journal, a, a pad of paper. She, she wants to go and, and find out more about herself. And mm. her, Dr. Malone had suggested she get a pad of paper and something to write with and and, and jots down things that she knows from the bottom herself. And she, she goes to the, the, 
the community room and she's looking around and she can't, you know, not quite sure where to start. And she's, you know, the doctor said, well, I see, you know, you could, you know, go online and read newspapers and things like that and, you know, see what kind of sparks your memory. And she decides, well, I could do that, but maybe I should just kind of Google myself and see who Smith is really who I am and she can't find anything about herself. So she's just kind of looking mm-hmm. around trying to figure out who she might be by looking online about maybe her accident. You know, just it, the search is just lead really anywhere for her, but she's keeping notes about what she's finding out and what she's not finding out. So um, as far as she knows, she's not safe myth, but she doesn't know who she is otherwise. This is it's just, scary. It's, it's, a, it's a learning. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a learning process, but um, she's not really getting much in, in terms of clues of who she is. She's learning who she's not, and and uh, I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail on this because no. I think that's what readers want to read. <laughs> you have got hands out for your book. Don't even worry. What's I, I I have never realized that everybody in this building knows who I am. I was hoping to stay secret. And they all know what I do because somebody blabbed. So I walked in the elevator yesterday, and this guy looked at me, and I said, you never took the books I left in the hall. What can I say? I gave them to my UPS guy. I said, I'll have more for you. And then there was a lady by a car. She said, I read those. Do you have any more? It's great because I, I just uh-huh. gave everything away. I give yeah. them all away to my neighbors. To my family doesn't read that much, but yeah, I give them away, and then they bless me because they don't have to buy the books and they get the good ones. Okay. So there are five people that want yours. No, I'm serious. Okay. There are five people, oh, really? and they're gonna. I I seriously said, you know, I it's like it's such a, an honor to think that they would want to read what I read, and every time time I give them something, they go like, when are you gonna more? We'll take more. Yeah, I've That's I've been really really excited and very pleased about the response to Lest You Forget. Lucky, yeah. the, reviews, the reviews are amazing, and my my favorite is from Bola with Christopher Zagorski. I mean, he his his review was just amazing. He said I achieved the holy grail of thriller writing. It's like, oh my gosh! <laughs> well, wait till you read funny. mine. It's there. Mine mine okay. is um just reviews. My problem is this: I have to be honest. Somebody hacked into my Amazon account and oh, claimed that I wrote that I wrote um, and uh, that I complained about a review, which I didn't. So I've been dealing uh-huh. with them, but it's on Goodreads. It's everywhere else. And okay. I, after I posted it yesterday, because I didn't want to forget, like ten people read it. In Great! Five minutes. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, Thank you well, very much. It's I, been really exciting. Not only that, but. I didn't know this either. Spotify loves me, and they um, did a thing um, for my show. They did a big, big uh, flashback and a, a video and a whole thing, and my show streamed every single day, and I didn't know that either. So people well, are going to listen to this. After, I was like, what? They, they said you have thousands of listeners. I said, I didn't know that. I think that's great. So everybody's going to listen to this on Spotify probably <laughs> afterwards. Or Apple oh, or whatever. So when we have Erin, Manny, and a whole bunch of other people, which other characters do you want to include? Because I've got to listen. I don't want to give away all of them. Who mm-hmm. else plays an important role in this with her? Um, well, well um, 
Well, we know who the bad guy is from fairly early on. We know somebody was running her off the road, and then in, yeah. in an early chapter, we found out that find out his name is Felix. Now, a thrillers, I wrote this book to be a mystery as well as a thriller. And a thriller, you always know who, who mm-hmm. the bad guy is early on, although yeah, we we don't know who is pulling his strings. So he's a hitman. He was the guy who was hired to run off himself off the road, and. Uh, Kay's um, point of view is written in the first person, so we get really deep inside her head. And it's written in present tense also because we don't know her past. She doesn't have a past, and she can't relate to that. So everything Mm -hmm. for her is first person, present tense. And so we're writing this um, story with her as she goes. Felix, I told in in, the person past tense, because he does have a past. He ha- he has a history, and we learn about mm. his history to begin with, about how he was over in Afghanistan. He worked for the intense intelligence services, and he was there, you know, take, you know, trying to grill um, terrorists and things on what was going on. Um, he ended up being uh, bum rushed out of the service because he was too 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 violent and and horrific with um, the people he was interrogating, and so. He turned to servicing other people's needs for taking out people and interrogating them. And we don't know who's uh, who his boss is and who's running this show, but we do find out that he is, you know, um, he's an important part of the, the book because as he as Kay is working through trying to figure out who she is, he realizes that there is somebody after her. And mm. um, he doesn't know it's Felix, but the reader does. And that's written so that um, it draws more suspense and some urgency and moves mm. the book forward um, so that when we do have um, the scene where they finally do meet up, it is pretty, pretty intense. That was well, a fun one to write, too. I couldn't put the book down. Well, and I got ice cream very easily. And really seriously, <laughs> and I just sat down and read it, and I haven't done that in a while. I have a book that I have to do for one of the weeks. I won't say which one, and it came yesterday, and I'm going, it's really good, but sometimes, like you dealt with this associative Cuban stuff, but you didn't make it the entire novel. I didn't go through everything, every chapter with the same kind of ailment, so I, it was mm-hmm. not interesting. Whereas somebody sits down and does something on mental illness, and basically the whole thing is about more about the mental illness than about the murder. I'm going like, why am I doing this? Yeah, well, the story was meant to be. I mean, that's that's the basis, but the story yeah. is really about her search for her memory and her identity yeah. and trying to understand who's who's put her in this position, who's after her. So it's it's not looking back on on what caused it. It's, uh, it's looking forward on what she needs to do to stay alive and remember who she is. So um, I think that keeps the momentum going because it's, it's that forward search that's most important, not just to figure out what happened in the past, although that is, she does need to figure out, you know, that to a certain extent, but she doesn't, um, something happens that comes up that she does find out from another person. Um, well, but it's it's all is, forward momentum. Is, it's all forward momentum. This is interesting that she gets information from Anita in records and Dr. Patel. 
So they they do, they help her to a point to get a, get right. some ideas and information about you know who she might be and what was right. her fate. And then she meets Sergeant Montgomery. And why does he help her? Well, the whole idea is nowhere that she at, gets at help. Point, at some point, she she starts looking into you know mm-hmm. how how did she end up where she is? So she's looking into her car accident. So. Um, she, she finally figures out from police reports where there there was an accident similar to hers. Um, so she starts looking into um, that accident and is not sure that maybe she's that woman, but it's it's, mm. it's a lead for her. And so all these characters that you're talking about, Anita is connected to the story because she worked for the hospital where. Um, somebody was brought in that kind of matches her description. Um, the Dr. Patel, um, I don't know that he, he had much to do with it. He just examined her and stuff. Um, and the the cop is who investigated the accident to begin with. I don't want to go into a whole lot of detail because it's, it's, it's pretty intricate and, and um, I think that it's something that the readers will want to learn for themselves. So, well, how does she bond with Nick? What happens? Well, Nick is the only one around that is not um, a medical personnel. Um, he comes to visit quite often. He's, you know, he feels sympathy for her situation, um, and um, he he's also comes to visit Emily um, because her brother is out of town, on a, and so he he comes in. It's, it's a two for one, but. He feels, um, you know, a kinship with her, and and as long as he's coming to visit Emily, he's going to, you know, focus on her as well because he needs a friend. And um, they just kind of have more opportunity to talk. He comes to visit her, brings her breakfast, um, and they do, do a puzzle. So it's, it's just a, a nice way he thinks for, uh, and she thinks for, you know, her to have some kind of companionship. But um, he does ask a lot of questions, and he's still yeah. not quite sure what he is all about. I mean, he's a nice guy, very handsome and stuff, and she's not sure why he's so interested in her. Um, and it's it just, when you have amnesia, and you don't know who you are, you kind of suspect everybody of everything. You really don't know, you know, he's showing a lot of interest. What, what is that all about? Do I be suspicious of him or not? So um, with CTSD, you, you do have a heightened sense of alert. You're, it's all about fight or flight and um, all the time. And so your, your senses and your suspicions are always up. And, and she has that with Nick as well. So she never knows quite what to make of him. Um, he has different ideas throughout the book, and um, at some point he does reveal himself. But we don't know what to think about him either, because we're 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 inside Kay's head, and with all her suspicions that are naturally part of being uh, somebody with PTSD and fight or flight and stress and um, so I think it helps drive the suspense 
and um, I hope readers will enjoy reading about their interactions and all the crazy ideas she has about who he might be and um, if there's more to him than just being um, a visitor for Emily. Sometimes maybe you just don't want to know who you really are. So before I forget, Thursday I've got one of the top children's authors in the world, Deb Hockenberry, Elves for a Day, for children and adults that want to know the true meaning of giving and sharing and helping. That's a perfect book. On the 12th next week we have um, Cynthia Tolbert, The Legacy. On the 14th I'm going to do one on ageism and age, um, the age discrimination with Marsha Casper Cook and Marilyn Levinson, who use that in their books. On the 18th, we have Michelle Cameron in Babylon. And what a better way to end December than my favorite author in the universe, the Queen of Horror, Vincent Zandri, Moonlight Falcon. I am so excited. And for those of you that don't know, Dick Belsky's Claire Paulson, his uh, book won the award for the 2023 Claire Carlson series. He starts my year of on January 2nd. This girl is booming. And anyone that has a book coming out, talk to me in March because February is taken. January is gone. And I just booked two for May. And I just got an email. I'm so excited from Janie and Cranch. She wants another interview. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, I can't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> I did two with her, and her publicist said, send me dates. I go, anytime. <laughs> and I do them whatever time she wants, usually. Okay, so Kay realizes, or whoever she is, realizes that she needs to get away from Felix. So how does she get close, and why does she trust Nick? Well, um, at, at some point, I mean, she doesn't know who Felix is. She just knows that there's somebody after mm-hmm. her. And I want to tell you, uh, why she feels he's dangerous, because I think that's something that needs to be revealed to the reader. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, so, so she's hanging out in, at, at this rehab facility, Summer Oaks, and um, she gets closed because one of the nurses takes um, an interest in her and knows that she doesn't want to be running around in these flimsy outfits. In a rehab facility, most people have their own clothes anyway, so um, the nurse... Um, takes up, uh, borrows some clothes from a girlfriend, and and brings them for her to to put on. And she, she they don't quite fit, but um, you know it's something better to wear than than the the nightgowns and 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 robes and things like that. Um, at the same time, I, you know the the whole thing with Nick is still mm. percolating in her head. Um, mm. She doesn't know who he is. She has some ideas. She gets different ideas from different people about who the person is who's trying to track her down, uh, as well as Nick. Uh, so, she's, again, she's very suspicious of anybody and everything because she doesn't remember who she is, and she's got PTSD, which makes her, uh, you know, heightened alert for danger. And But... Um, without being able to um, leave on her own, she has no recourse but to ask new ask Nick for a little help. Okay, and, so um, now she leaves with Nick, right? And she how what? do they try to uncover her memories? And that must be frightening because you sit down and you figure out 
okay, who am I? And all of a sudden, oh, my God. Well, what does that eureka moment come? Well, she doesn't really have her eureka moment for a long, long time, yeah. well into the book. Yeah. Um, it, it's, again, a situation in which somebody tells her who they think she is. Um, but I, I don't want to go into too much detail on that because that's, that's the crux of the book is trying what's, what's going to happen after she leaves and, and what are they going to find out? How do they keep moving the story forward? Um, with the danger and having to run from Felix, who they she does encounter um, in this second act with a, a, a really fun scene, which um, it was just really fun to to uh, write. It, it goes back and forth between mm. Felix and her in uh, a chase scene. It, it was so much fun to write. Um, I, I'm a plot uh, pantser, by the way. So that kind of tells you a little bit about, I had a general idea for this book, and I just kind of mm-hmm. wrote it as I felt like I would do if I were in Kay's situation. So the various characters popped up because I said to myself, well, I kind of need this to happen right now, so let's bring this character mm-hmm. in. And um, and so th- that's how this this. Um, chasing half and it's like what would I do if I saw this person down the hallway and so how do I get out of this situation it was all about again it's all about her fight or flight and at this point she's having to flee because she doesn't know who she is she doesn't know who this person is that that she spots but she does feel that there's some danger from him and um, but the rest of the book does go into a lot more detail about mm-hmm who she might be, who she could be. Um, they, you know, what started all this? That's that's the next mystery. What started all this, and why did she run? And um, it goes through. It's just a lot more forward momentum, trying to figure out who she is, and then the danger um, escalating to the point where she has to go off on her, um, by herself alone in order to stop people from being killed by this uh, by Felix because Felix is still searching for her after she escapes and he will go to any length to find her and to the point where anybody that has come in contact with her is in danger and it's a pretty frightening experience to know that people are dying because you have chosen to run from your life and, um, yeah, that's know. part of the whole idea of it's my fault, you know, this, this whole idea of I have to run, but yeah, I, I did something awful that contributed to somebody's death, but now people are dying my weight. Can I live with myself if I continue to run? And that's, that's the dilemma she faces going to the end of the book. Sometimes it's better not to remember at all. Right, it's but scary in this case, when people are dying because of you, yeah. So this is, this is a question. Um, she finds out the truth eventually. We're not going to say who she is or what she is, but was she was would she agree that the, when the truth is revealed, was she glad to find out? And how did you take the final takedown at the end with the twist? I go like, what? 
Well, um, she gets in a situation where she's facing her own death. There's no way out. Yeah. Um, that was a fun scene to write as well. The whole that whole scene um, where she's. Um, I have to be careful here. So yeah, I know. So she, she's been. Let's just say she's locked away, and she knows she's facing death, and she has to come to terms with what has happened in her life, how she got to this point in her, in her life, and just confess to herself that you know maybe I did do something awful, and I should. You know, there's no sense in running anymore. So she finally yeah, does I know. have a revelation by leading, uh, leaving her guilt behind and accepting her fate. And that's when she starts to remember. That's when she, it comes back to her she, who she is. And um, but um, somehow she does manage to escape. I won't tell you how, but it is quite. I think it's pretty exciting. The whole third act, I think, is really pretty exciting. It was so much fun to write because there's so much action that goes on, but she does finally remember herself, who she is, and how she got to that position. And um, I, I think the readers will really, really enjoy it. It's, it's just a fun thing. Um, well, I know. I said, oh, my God, because... You don't know. Out of a sudden, out of the simplest thing could snap your memory back. Anything. Right. And you had that experience too. Yeah, I know. Uh, and sometimes what? I wonder, should I forget? Should I have stayed forgetting? Everybody knows. Yeah. You just well, don't, you you don't know. know. And I knew it's scary. Right. But, you know, the, the things that happen to us make us who we are. And. Yeah, forgetting, forgetting all the sorrows and the bad things that happen in our life isn't always the, the best thing for us because we don't learn from it. And that's the great thing about psychological thrillers is that you've got this everyday person, just a regular person, who's undergone some kind of awful experience that causes them to have this psychological stressor, this break. In my case, in Kate's case, it's that she's got this amnesia that's brought on by the, all the stress mm-hmm. that she's experienced. But as she goes through the, the story, and, and um, she, she's getting stronger every day. She starts out a fairly weak person when you think about it. Um, she, she's always done what she's been told to do, as you'll find out. Um, and, and so this whole thing of not feeling like you were in control of your life um, that you did something that caused somebody else to die. Um, it's a huge stressor, but as she goes through her her journey to find herself again, she becomes stronger and stronger. So even though she's having these awful flashback experiences or, you know, she's having panic attacks, she's, she's dealing with them and getting stronger each time that she has one of these episodes, and as she finds out more about who she is, she's determined. She's more determined than ever to accept what happened in her past and um, take whatever comeuppance, my grandmother would say, um, um, Mm -hmm. results of of whatever happened. She's going to, you know, admit to whatever role she had in somebody's death and, and 
live with the consequences, which is something that proves that she is stronger than when she started out. And that's all the nature of psychological thrillers, that you start out as somebody who is not quite as strong as they could be, but they become stronger and stronger by dealing with everything that they know and learn about themselves. And so she would not be the, the better person that she is by the end of the book without having remembered these awful memories. So it's a matter of being go forward and learn from your mistakes um, and the things that you've done in your past um, that make you a stronger person and able to um, come up stronger in the end and be a better person for it. You know, we were always telling our kids, you know, everybody's going to make mistakes. It's what you do with those mistakes that matter. If you learn mm-hmm. from mistakes, a mistake is not a mistake. But when you deny that you've done something wrong, you never learn from it. And uh, so that's kind of a life lesson for the book, too. <laughs> well, then you want to read my new book. It's coming out. I'm excited. Finally. Very good. What's it about? It's probably coming out at the end of the month or beginning of next month. And exactly what you just said is called mirror image. When you look at your face in the mirror and you see the image, look past the image because the image is going to replay something that you did that was wrong. If you don't change what happened, you will wind up as a face in the mirror distorted. That is the title of my new book. Not only is it cool, but I am honored. Well, I'm the problem solver in the family. I'm the mistake fixer. And my niece is reading it with her boyfriend. My nephew is reading it too. And Vincent Zandri is reading it as we speak, so give me a blurb. And anybody else out there that wants to give me, I got two five-star reviews and two blurbs already. John DeDantis gave me the blurb. I'll send you the, the, the PDF. I am so excited because it's crazy. The second part of the novel is told from the point of view, of course, it's my Faces Behind the Stone series, the last one, from the point of view of a dead person that needs to repent for what they did. Mm-hmm. And because I've, I just got an email from somebody, I won't say where, they didn't get the, the idea that the thing is over, and they want more information, and you know what? In, in Never, from the 12th of Never. So... Are you going to bring back Kay or whoever she is in the next one? What's next for you? And um, this, the theme of this well, book that, is great. Well, thank, thank you. Um, um, I, I'm, I'm not going to bring any anybody back. These are standalone psychological thrillers. I, I think it would be uh, mm-hmm. not a good idea to keep terrorizing the same people. Because <laughs> she is stronger at the end of the book, and, and so she would not have a, any kind of similar experience where she's, you know, struggling to deal with psychological stress. Mm. So she's, she's much stronger for who who she has become and uh, taking charge of her own life by the end of the book and um, admitting to her mistakes and being stronger for it. I do have other stories that I'm exploring. I'm working on one that has to do with uh, black market baby uh, adoption rings that, that has a oh, nice. background in, in Georgia. And actually, uh, back in the 30s and 40s, this is inspired by some of that, there was a uh, Tennessee children's home where the proprietor um, 
was adopting out babies to all the rich and famous, Joan Crawford and Lana mm-hmm. Turner and stuff. They, they went there for their problem was they weren't all legitimate adoptions because she was stealing babies and young children off the street. And um, so that was, you know. And then we had a similar situation up in um, northern Georgia during the 40s and 50s. There was a instance in Flint, um, there was a black market baby ring going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, let's see, I have other ideas. Actually, I was inspired by being up in my, uh, hanging out with my brother at Mayo Clinic when he was just starting his chemotherapy. He, uh, he put his tumors in his brain. Um, localized there, it's actually shrunk by 50% since we started treatment, so that's great. But he was very confused and had wild hallucinations of people in the room and various things going on, and he'd be in different places. So, um, and then, so I was thinking, wouldn't it be kind of cool to have an idea about um, somebody who thinks they've witnessed a murder? They're a patient in, the, in at Mayo Clinic or some similar place where. All the rich and famous and powerful go to Mayo Clinic for treatment. So I thought that might be kind of interesting to, to run with that story as well. Well, you're lucky in a sense because I, I'm using um, a self-publishing company when I love her. Robin is great at Fidelity, but and I did one with I won't say where an independent uh, publisher, and mm-hmm. I found that I got the, the they charged so much money to do nothing, and oh, the book wow. came out. It was supposed to be like 200 pages. It turned out to be 81 pages, not even. And they didn't help me with content or to make it longer. They did nothing. And they charged oh, wow. a lot of money. They charged thousands of dollars to get the book published, and it wasn't worth it. And I keep getting things from them, you know, we're going to do this one, whatever. Robin and Fidelity is great. The editor for my new book, there were no, no mistakes, no grammar mistakes. And I actually got to do dialogue for the very first time. I'm proud of mm-hmm. myself. Okay. But for those of yeah. you that have children that are teenagers, sisters, two sisters from the Bronx, a true story is growing up with my wacko sister before she died. Mm-hmm. And she's the reason I do this. <laughs> because yeah. I now weigh 101 pounds. I weighed 200 pounds when my, my mother, when I retired from teaching because my mother had Alzheimer's and I was eating my way through oblivion. So for those of you yeah. that know, through, know that, I know that 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 um it's it's difficult to deal with Alzheimer's, but you got to have a sense of humor when they say something to you that's horrible or curse. You just say, "Yeah, my, you're going to get a timeout on that one." So where yeah, can we? Yeah, we you, and you got lucky that Camcut did it because I I couldn't even figure out how to get them to take my thing with the editing and stuff. So what's well, next to you? Well, where can everybody find I, out I, more? I I want to just give a quick plug for CamCat. They are just yeah. an amazing publisher. They're very young. Um, yeah. They've only been around since 2019, but Sue Arroyo is a serial entrepreneur, um, knows what she's doing, very successful entrepreneur. And she turned her skills as a businesswoman mm. onto the publishing, and she's just done an amazing job. And the staff that she's put together, the editor in particular, Helga, worked with me on, on, on beefing up this uh, my story and she just excellent excellent she just gave me some ideas and I, I ran with it and and it's so much much better book than um, when we first started working together and they've been very good setting up publicity things like this and uh, it's just so great it's it's just amazing 
So, so thank you again just for having take me. It or did you have to do their guidelines or something? We just we just submitted it. Well, um, it was, I had just gotten uh, – I had let my agent go ahead agent for about a year and a half, and nothing was really going on with that, and decided I mm. needed to go to uh, submit to some of the smaller indie publishers. And I just happened to be going to a tour in Nashville when I realized Kemcat was going to be there, Sue Arroyo was going to be oh, there. Oh, that's good. And at the week before, so I, I spent a day and a half filling out the submission form, which was very thoughtful. And instead of just writing a query letter and yeah. submitting pages, they have a very thoughtful submission form that took me a day and a half to complete to make sure I had everything I wanted to say. And very thoughtful. And then I submitted that. And then, um, you know, I followed up with um, Sue on LinkedIn. And then I got my offer the first day uh, of Southern Nashville at, at, the, at the luncheon. It was just the most amazing weekend ever and just so exciting. And um, they worked with me on doing my contract and, and, and everything. So by Boxer Time, I had a contract signed, and we were off to the races. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. They're just a great, great uh, publisher, and I encourage people to consider them. That is great. But today is great, and thank you so much. You brightened up my whole morning. It's beautiful outside. I'm going to deal with whatever that other issue is in a few minutes because me, I don't whatever. And I just got an email from Amazon to tell me they probably still hate me, which is fine. <laughs> I don't care anymore. But thank you so much, Lisa. Um, I'm going to tell Gina that this was fun. So she likes to it know how fun. I do. And they do listen. I will send her the link, and she does listen to make sure I, you know, whatever. I, I've never had a bad show yet, and I've never had anybody. There's only one author. He was very famous. I won't say who he was. Got on the air, and he said, I'm not answering your questions because I don't like them. <laughs> I said, I respect that, but I'm not going to do the interview because if you would have told me that a half an hour ago, I would have fixed it. And I got mortally offended. So I said, you know what? Whatever. It doesn't matter. But this has yeah. been great. And whenever you, you so come much. out with your next one, make sure I get it in print. I will. And Thank send you me so your book, much. too. I will. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.